Hello, everyone, and welcome to HR Works COVID-19 Update. I am the host of HR Works, Jim Davis, and the editor of the HR Daily Advisor. This, uh, this podcast aims to put valuable tools and knowledge into the hands and ears of you, the HR professional, and those tools will arm you with the best methods and strategies for attracting, motivating, and retaining top talent. These little episodes have a focus on employment law, and so today we're going to discuss the FFCRA. It's been in effect for some time. And here to discuss what has happened with the law over the last few months, what kinds of lawsuits are arising since then is Maggie Spell. She's been with us before. She's a partner at the New Orleans location of Jones Walker. Maggie focuses her practice on cases brought under federal, state, and local employment laws, including the Title VII of the Civil Rights Act, the Americans with Disabilities Act, and the Age Discrimination in Employment Act. She regularly offers wage and hour compliance advice and has represented employers in numerous Fair Labor Standard Act collective actions and state law wage and hour class actions. Thank you so much for joining us again today, Maggie. <laughs> Thanks for having me back, Jim. Absolutely. Um, so why don't we jump right in? Uh, let's talk about the FFCRA. Great. Um, you know, I think we need to rewind back to March, which I know for some of us feels like years ago at this point, um, when the Families First Coronavirus Response Act, or the FFCRA, was signed into law. Uh, just as kind of a brief refresher, hopefully you guys don't need one, but the FFCRA requires employers with less than 500 employees to provide paid sick leave, and then that also expanded family and medical leave uh, for reasons that are related to COVID-19. Um, as a reminder, the FFCRA is still in effect until the end of this calendar year. So to the extent you, you've forgotten about it or people have stopped asking for that type of leave, just make sure that you're still following the rules until December um, 31st of this year in the event it's not extend, extended beyond that. So I, my understanding is, is that um, as you know, since it's been a few months, uh, there have been uh, legal cases that have arisen due to due to this law, and it's just starting to to hit the courts and be all sorted out. Yeah, that's uh, that's exactly right. Um, so lawsuits are starting to crop up across the country where employees are alleging either that they were wrongfully denied FFCRA paid leave benefits, or the the issue um, that we were really going to focus on today was terminated or um, treated in some other way that's, that would be an adverse employment action in retaliation for requesting such benefits. We've, we've been a little surprised to see um, they're really going hand in hand and retaliation cases seem to possibly even be um, kind of outpacing those just paid leave benefit cases. So what precisely are you seeing? What kinds of retaliation um, are people alleging? The cases range um, as, as you can imagine, and we're really just starting to see them crop up at this point. Um, but they can range from a super basic fact pattern, um, say uh, an employee tells his employer that he sought and received a COVID-19 test, um, and he was advised by his doctor to self-quarantine for a week. Um, you know, obviously the employee contends that this triggered the defendant's obligation to pay him leave. And when he calls a week later uh, to ask what time he needs to come to work the next day, the employer instead says, hey, we don't need you anymore. Your employment's terminated. Um, the employee hmm. there is claiming, obviously, that 
the adverse action, the termination of his employment was because of that protected activity, um, his request for leave. So I think that's I think that's kind of a fact pattern we're going to see possibly over and over. Um, the difference being maybe the person doesn't actually get to take the leave. Maybe they're not paid for the leave. Maybe they're just fired as soon as they ask. Um, I think we'll probably be going down all of those paths. Yeah, you know, one of the things I, I think of as uh, as these things start popping up is uh, how destructive that can be when you have uh, employees afraid to ask for time off and then maybe coming to work sick because they don't want to, which we've seen lots of even before coronavirus, right? Of, oh, of course. Uh, there's nothing I hate more than um, encountering somebody in the office who's, you know, sneezing and complaining of not feeling well. Um, one of one of the refrains during this entire pandemic has been, at least from us to employers, uh, make sure that you are encouraging your employees to stay home if they don't feel well or exhibiting symptoms or have potentially come into contact with somebody who has COVID-19. And that does go, as you were saying, directly to if people are afraid to ask, they're not going to ask. Um but, you know, for those who do ask, it, it's certainly important to make sure that those first line managers who are on the ground and interacting with the employees know who to send them to or how to respond. That's where these retaliation cases are going to pop up. So what kind of remedies are available to people that feel that they've been retaliated against? Is it business as usual or are there special circumstances built within the FFCRA? So for the paid sick leave piece, um, it's business as usual under the Fair Labor Standards Act. So for the the paid sick leave, you there's a private right of action created um, that allows employees to seek remedies under the FLSA, which means they can seek to recover um, the the lost wages that they weren't paid for that time off, um, and then an amount equal to what's what's due, you know, in lost wages for willful violations and also attorney's fees. When you flip then to the, um, to the retaliation piece, you've also got just the potential for lost wages generally, um, and potentially reinstatement as well. Um, and not only is there a private right of action, but the Department of Labor can also pursue relief on behalf of employees um, and seek those damages and liquidated damages as well. They also, of course, can seek civil penalties and um, for employers who they can show willfully violated that emergency paid sick leave provision of the FFCRA could be subject to criminal penalties like a fine or if they can show it's a repeat offender, that's where imprisonment comes up. Really? Um, mm -hmm. And so then if and they can also pursue the retaliation claim and, and seek additional lost wages and reinstatement there, too. So knowledgeable employees that have been uh, treated thusly really do have a lot of resources available to them. You know, they're not going to have to go find necessarily find counsel. They can activate the DOL. Yeah, they can go straight to the DOL. And the other the other piece, even if they do go straight to counsel, is um, because it's a suit under essentially the FLSA provisions that tie to the FFCRA, 
An employee doesn't have to exhaust administrative remedies before filing suit either. So, um, what does that mean? Uh, exhaust administrative remedies. Yes. So typically speaking, say if you've got, you know, a, a discrimination case or even a retaliation case under say title seven, the employee has to go to the equal employment opportunity commission and file a charge of discrimination, um, to say, Hey, I've been retaliated against because of X, Y, and Z protected activity before they can pursue a mm. lawsuit in court here, they don't have to do that. So even though it's a retaliation case that's, you know, in some ways similar to one of those that would be under Title VII, um, they don't have to do that. There's no prerequisite to filing suit. So somebody could file suit, you know, you could go back, going back to that example from a moment ago, this guy calls in, say, on a Monday, um, and he's told not to report back to work. If he finds a lawyer that same day, he can file suit that same day. Um, there's not any sort of waiting period or requirement to notify the employer that the lawsuit's coming. It always seems to me like the number one thing protecting bad actors amongst employers is that employees don't necessarily have the knowledge to know what their rights are and what kinds of protections are available to them. Are you aware of any kind of movement or act? action to make employees aware of these kinds of things? That's an interesting question. Um, I know that there's a posting requirement under the FFCRA. So make sure your posters are up if they're not. Um, so there is that requirement to be to provide knowledge to people. And certainly this has been all over the news. Um, the DOL has a ton of information about this on, on its website. Um, Beyond that, I, I'm not really sure that there's anything out there yet. I, sh- I guess I should. It's, uh, I mean, it's neither here nor there, but it's like, if you don't put up a poster, which is illegal, who's going to know that it was that you didn't do that? <laughs> and then they won't know what their rights are to defend themselves against the terrible things that you did, Well, including couple- not putting up a poster. Yeah, I mean, certainly that 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 is a possibility. Um, but I will say... I've heard of at least one DOL audit on the paid leave issue um, so far. So, and that's local. Um, I'm sure that there Mm. are others. And certainly with any sort of on-site investigation or audit, one of the first things they're going to do is say, show me where you keep all your posters. I'm kind of curious about this, this ability for individual managers and supervisors to be sued. That's unusual, isn't it? Uh, not under the FLSA. Um, it is under, say, Title VII. If you had a retaliation right. claim, you wouldn't be able to sue an individual manager or supervisor. But under the Fair Labor Standards Act, because of the way employer is is defined, um, managers and supervisors, if they have enough authority and, and control over an employee, can be sued um, individually. And, and again, because the FFCRA adopts those enforcement mechanisms of the FLSA, the same is true here, which adds yet another reason for managers to pay particular attention and be really careful when it comes to FFCRA compliance. Well, thank you again, Maggie, for taking the time to join us today. Sure. Thanks for having me. Hope it's helpful. Absolutely. It's always a pleasure. Listeners, we are always interested in suggestions you might have for what HR Works should cover next. Please feel free to reach out to us on Twitter at HR Works Podcast. 
with any thoughts or concerns you have about the podcast in general or just to say hello you can always follow us on there too if you'd like thank you for listening this is jim davis with hr works